0: Today on Daily Hope with Pastor Rick Warren, we continue in our riveting journey through the series, The Invisible War. In it, we'll explore the unseen world of good and evil and see how it impacts our day-to-day existence. Join us for eye-opening biblical insights into the spiritual dimensions that influence our lives in ways we never imagined. Right now, here's Pastor Rick Warren with the final part of a message called, When You Feel Like Giving Up.
1: So if you start to get discouraged, what do you do? You change what needs to be changed. It may be something simple. But let us lay aside every weight that slows us down, especially the sins. Now, sins certainly slow you down. If you're holding on to a grudge, you won't forgive that person, you're going to get discouraged. If you harbor anger in your heart, if you harbor guilt in your heart, and you have unconfessed sin in your heart, you're going to get discouraged. What is sin? Sin, you might write this down, is knowing what to do and not doing it. That's sin. Your conscience tells you sin. When you know the right thing to do, and you don't do it, that's sin. You say, where is that in the Bible? Well, it's in James chapter 4, verse 17. James 4, 17 says this, it's up here on the screen. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. Well, that's gonna slow me down too. I've gotta remember that heaven is watching. I'm surrounded by, my life is being watched by witnesses. And I've gotta eliminate the things that hold me back. The third thing I've gotta do, if I'm gonna make it to the finish line, is run God's race for me not other people's race for me. I've gotta run God's race for me, not others' race. You know, uh, God loves you and everybody else has a wonderful plan for your life. And, and if you don't have a plan, and you don't go with God's plan, then they're gonna suggest their plan. Now the Bible says, uh, the third part of this verse, verse one, it says, let us run with endurance that's what we're talking about this weekend how to endure let us run with endurance the race that god has set before us circled the phrase that god has set notice i'm not supposed to run the race that other people have set for me i'm not to run the race that culture has set before me i'm not to run the race that my parents have set before me i'm not even to run the race that i set for myself because it may be unrealistic I'm to run the race that God has set before me. When God created you, he created you with a plan for your life. You can miss that plan. How? Real simple. Do your own plan. Or drift. And you'll miss God's plan. God has a race for your life. And God has a race for the person sitting next to you that's different than yours. And God has a race for the person sitting next to them that's different from either of you. Now let me say this. If you try to run somebody else's race, my boyfriend wants me to do this. My parents wanted me to do this. My wife wants me to do that. My husband, my whatever, my best friend thinks I should do this. If I run a race that other people try to put on me, I'm gonna lose. I'm going to fail and I'm not gonna finish the race, because God doesn't give you enough strength to finish somebody else's race. And God did not put you on earth to run somebody else's race. God puts you on this earth to be you, not somebody else. And when you be you, that brings glory to God. And so you've got to stop living for the approval of other people. You see, you've got to run the race that God set for you. You say, well, how do I do that? How do I know what's God's race for my life? You look at your shape, S-H-A-P-E, your spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, your personality, and your experiences. What am I gifted to do? What do I love to do? What am I talented to do? What is my personality fit with? And what are my experiences, good and bad? Your shape determines the race you run. Rabbits aren't meant to fly. And eagles aren't meant to swim. And ducks aren't meant to run. Your shape determines what God wants you to do with your life. And and when you get to heaven, God isn't going to say, why weren't you more like somebody else? He's going to say, why weren't you more you? So I've got to run the race that God has for me, not others. Otherwise, I'm going to get discouraged and give up. Number four. The fourth thing is I must focus on Jesus, not my circumstances. When I'm going through a tough time, when I feel like throwing in the the towel, when I'm at the end of the rope, when I feel like I can't hold on, I need to focus on Jesus, not my circumstances. Not the problems, but... The Savior, not the situation, but God. Now, in verse two, it says this. How do we run with endurance? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from start to finish. Now, I don't know what you're going through right now, what tough time you're going through. And it may seem unendurable right now. And you go, I can't handle this. I just can't handle it. To endure the unendurable. I must keep my eyes on the invisible. I must keep my eyes on Jesus. If, As Corrie Ten Boom said, Corrie Ten Boom and her sister, uh, uh, were, uh, Betsy, were put in uh, Auschwitz prison during World War II for hiding Jews. She wrote a book on it called The Hiding Place. And then they got caught, and though they were Christians, they were sent to... Uh, the death camps along with the Jews they were hiding. Betsy died there, Corey eventually got out. But she once said, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. If you look at Christ, you'll be at rest. It all depends on what you have your eyes on. If you've got your eyes in your problem, it's no wonder you're discouraged. It's no wonder you're unfocused. It's no wonder you feel like giving up today. But if you've got your eyes focused on God, on Jesus, he's the savior, he's the solution to your situation, and he will help you out. So what do you do? You remember what God has done for you. You remember what God's, God's uh, uh, goodness to you in the past, and you wanna remember God's uh, presence right now and today, and God's power for the future. So you get your mind off yourself and onto God. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Jonah chapter 2, verse 7. That's the story. You know the story of Jonah? God told him to go to Iraq to preach, to actually to Syria, to Nineveh. And uh, he, he said, I'm not doing that. In fact, he went the exact opposite. He went to, got on a boat to go to the seaport in the coast of Spain. He's going the exact opposite direction of the way God wanted him to go. So God uh, planned a little Mediterranean cruise for Jonah. Uh-uh. And the Bible says he created a great fish, and when Jonah's thrown overboard by the sailors, this fish swallows him up. Now by the way, it doesn't say whale. It just says great fish. Uh, It could have been, I don't know, but God could have created a a fish with an apartment in it if he wanted to. If you can create the entire universe, you can create anything you want. Okay, I don't have a problem with that. You don't have a problem, if God created the universe, you don't have a problem with miracles. He can do whatever he wants to. and, and so anyway, Jonah at the bottom of the ocean in chapter two prays his prayer of repentance and he, he says in Jonah 2.7, when I had lost all hope, I once again turned my thoughts to the Lord. You need to do that. When I had lost all hope, Jonah 2.7, I once again turned my thoughts to the Lord. You need to refocus. You need to refocus. Now the sixth, or the fifth, no it is the fifth step in overcoming discouragement is to minimize the pain and maximize the profit. Minimize the pain of doing the right thing and maximize the profit. Yes, there's pain in getting in shape. Yes, there's pain in getting in spiritual shape. Yes, there's pain in getting your finance under control and getting out of debt. Yes, there's pain in anything that works in life, that matters in life, but you look at the long-term gain, you look at the reward, you minimize the pain, you maximize the profit. Jesus did this in verse two. He, Jesus, was willing to die a shameful death on the cross because of the joy he knew would be his afterwards. Notice he's looking past short term. The joy that would be his afterwards. What is the joy that is his afterwards? He knew that his death would cause the salvation of you and me. So he's doing it for our benefit. He's going through pain for somebody else's benefit. That's redemptive pain. He went, was willing to die a shameful death on the cross because of the joy he knew would be his afterwards. Now he's seated in the place of highest honor besides God's throne in heaven. You got to look past short-term thinking on anything that you want to change in your life to make it through that difficult period when you want to give up. and You want to give up on the marriage and you want to give up on the dream and you want to give up on the diet and you want to give up on the job search and you want to give up on adopting a baby and you want to give up on whatever it is. You gotta push through that, minimize the pain, and maximize the eventual profit. You might write this down. Play it down and pray it up. Play it down and pray it up. Play down the difficulty, play down the hard part, play down the pain, and play up the benefit of doing the right thing. And staying with that marriage and going getting some counseling and working it out. It's always more rewarding to resolve a relationship and repair a relationship than to replace it. Let me give you an example of this. I'll just read this to you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul talks about the pain he's gone through in serving the Lord. None of us come close to this. Listen to this. He's talking about being a missionary. He says, you know, I've worked hard. I've been put in jail more often. I've been whipped more times uh, without number. I've faced death again and again. Five times the Jews gave me 39 lashes. Now imagine what that would look like on your back. If you've been whipped 39 times, times five, that's how many lashes, scars you'd have on your back. Five times I was given 39 lashes, three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea, I've traveled many weary miles, I've traveled have faced dangers from flooded rivers and from robbers and dangers from my own people as well as the Gentiles, I've faced dangers in the cities, in the desert and on stormy seas, I've faced dangers from men who claim to be Christians but aren't. I've lived with weariness and pain and sleepless nights. I've often been hungry and thirsty and gone many times without food. I've shivered from the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then he goes over, uh, let me just read in the same book, same, same book, chapter four. Here is his evaluation of all those problems. In spite of all this, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles, light and momentary troubles, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. I'm I'm minimizing the pain and maximizing the profit, the benefit, the reward. It's all a matter of perspective. Perspective. He says, these light and momentary troubles I've been through. Light and momentary, you would call that life a disaster. If you had gone all, if you'd been thrown in jail as many times as he had, you'd been whipped and beaten and shipwrecked and all. You'd call that a disaster life. He says, now these light and momentary troubles are small potatoes compared to the reward I'm going to get in heaven. So you minimize the difficulty in your life, and you maximize the reward for doing the right thing. Eternal life. By the way, how long is eternal? Forever. What's it worth? Priceless. Priceless. Is anything worth giving that up for? And by the way, the good news is once you've got that eternal life, nobody can take it away from you. So what do we do? We'll look at the next verse. Let's read this aloud together slowly. Galatians Six, nine. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Now circle the phrase at the proper time. You see, I always want the proper time to be my time. I want the answer now, yesterday, split second. I want God to be a genie to me. But he says, if you sow, you will reap. But this is the law of the harvest. There is always a waiting period between when you plant the seed and when you eat the fruit. You don't plant the seed one day and then get to eat an apple the very next day. There's always a delay. And you go through the seasons of life. And then you get to eat the fruit. Now, if you start planting some good habits in your life, I'm going to plant the habit of a daily quiet time with God, and I spend time with God praying every day for a few minutes and reading the Bible for a minute, just being quiet. You plant that seed, you're going to reap a harvest inevitably. If you plant a seed of tithing, you say, I'm going to, first 10% goes back to God, I'm planting that seed. You're going to reap a harvest eventually. If you plant a good seed of, of being kind to enemies and responding to evil with good and not criticizing back when people criticize you, you're going to reap a harvest eventually. But it doesn't come till you've gone through the seasons. Now some of you right now are, you're in the summer and the heat's on in your life. And some of you are in the spiritual fall and all the leaves have fallen off and it looks pretty barren. And you may even be, even though it's summer, in the winter of your life right now. And it's cold, and it's snowy, and it's bleak and dark, and there's no fruit on the tree. Hang on. Spring is coming. It will come back. It will come back. You know, in 1981, the second year of Saddleback Church, I went through an entire year of depression. Depression. And I I was overwhelmed with the responsibilities of this church and I just thought, I am so incompetent and there's no way I can handle the responsibilities of this church. And I was depressed for an entire year. And every Saturday, and I couldn't figure out why God was letting me go through this and I was praying and staying close to Him, but it was just a tough year. And every Saturday before preparing the uh, coming to Sunday services, I would drive down to Laguna Beach and sit on the cliffs and watch the ocean and i did it for a year and and i learned a truth that year that the tide goes out but it always comes back in the tide goes out but it always always comes back in now when the tide is out the beach looks ugly There's driftwood and junk and stuff all over. It's just not that very attractive. The tide may be out in your life right now. You're out of work. Or you're out of hope. Or you're out of money. or The tide's out in your life some way. You're out of energy. Hang on. Hang on. It's going to come back in. Let us not grow weary in doing well, for we shall reap a harvest if we do not give up. You just gotta keep on keeping on. there's one other thing you do that'll help you hold on. Number six is you remember. You remember, you think about what Jesus did for me. When you're going through a tough time, remember the tough time Jesus went through and think about what he did on your behalf, the suffering he went through. I think about all that he endured for me, the attacks and the criticism. I think about the abuse and the cruelty he went through for my behalf, the meanness, the torture, the the painful death that Jesus went through so I could be forgiven and I could go to heaven. He did it for me. Verse 3 and 4. Think about all he endured when you're trying to endure. Think about all he endured when sinful people did such terrible things to him. So that you don't become weary and give up. After all, you've not given up your lives in your struggle against sin. You know, wait a minute, you're no martyr. You haven't shed any blood. You haven't died. So what's the problem? Let me sum up what I'm trying to teach you today. The problems you're going through, these are a test. It's easy to trust God when things go great. The real test of faith is when life stinks and when you have no emotion and you don't feel close to God. That's when real faith shows up. Will you trust God? Will you do the right thing even though you don't feel like doing it? Will you do the right thing even though it doesn't make sense? Will you endure to the finish line? Will you finish well? Or will you stop in the middle of the race and walk over to the sideline? My question for you is this, what have you started that you need to finish? I don't know. What have you started that you need to finish? A year before Paul wrote the book to the Corinthians, the letter to the Corinthians, they had made a commitment to give money to help the church at Jerusalem. A year later, they had made the commitment, but they still hadn't given it. And Paul writes him a letter and he says, you know what you guys, you need to finish what you start. You made a commitment to give and now you need to finish what you start. Here's what he says, verse 10, 2 Corinthians 8. Finish what you started a year ago. For you were the first to begin doing something about it and now you should carry this project through to completion. Just as enthusiastically as you began it. Give whatever you can according to what you have. So let me go back and ask you a question again. What commitments have you made that you need to complete? Maybe you made a commitment to finish school and you didn't do it. Maybe you made a commitment to get out of debt and you got tired and you gave up on it and you haven't done it, you haven't been keeping up with it. Maybe you've intended to be baptized and you've never yet been baptized. It's like your next step. Maybe you've been hearing me talk about getting in a small group or starting a small group for months or maybe years, and you're still not in a small group. What do you need to commit to finish that you started? Maybe you started on the Daniel plan in January, and you were doing so good, and now you've kind of let it slide, and you're, you're not being as disciplined, and you're not, you're not doing the right things. And you're letting it go, and you're going back to old ways. And you're giving up. What do you need to finish that you, you started? I, don't, I, I really don't know. But whatever it is, God will tell you. He will tell you. So I want us to bow our heads right now, and I want you to talk to God. And I want you to ask God, God, what do I need to complete that I started? Just ask him that. I dare you. Ask God, what do I need to complete that I started? What have I had the intention to do, but I haven't done it yet? What have I had the intention to do, but I haven't done it yet? What have I felt like giving up on? And with your head bowed, I'm going to pray for you, but I want you to encourage you to write down one thing on your outline. To write down, so you won't forget it, because otherwise you're going to forget it, and you won't do it again, even after we've talked about it. What's the one thing I need to complete? A commitment that I've made that I haven't been faithful to. Maybe a couple things. Father, you know how easy it is to get discouraged. You know our hearts. You know how easy it is that when times get tough, things get lean, we don't feel the initial emotion of the starting of it, we get discouraged, we get distracted. We get doubtful. We get in despair. I pray, Lord, that today we will take these steps. Now you pray. Pray this with me. In your heart, say, Lord, help me to remember that heaven is watching me. That there's a crowd of witnesses watching my life who've been through it before me. And they made it to the finish line, and I want to make it to the finish line. Help me to eliminate whatever doesn't matter in my life. To let go of the the weights that slow me down. And the sins that hold me back. I want to run the race you have for me, not other people's race. I want to be what you made me to be. Help me not to care so much about the approval of others. Help me to focus on you, Jesus not my problems, not my circumstances, not the difficulty. Help me to minimize the pain and maximize the rewards and to look past the cross and see the the joy on the other side. Most of all, Jesus, I want to remember what you did for me. I would not be alive without you. I would not be saved without you. I would not be headed for heaven without the pain you went through on my behalf. And I thank you. If you've never asked Jesus Christ into your life, say, Jesus, come into my life right now. I want to follow you and trust you. I want to learn to love you from this day forward. I pray this in your name. Amen. Hi, everybody. This is Rick, and I hope you enjoyed today's broadcast. You know, if you just prayed that prayer for the very first time, or you just recommitted your life to Jesus again today, would you let me know about it? There's something real about sharing your commitment. So write me, Rick, at PastorRick.com and say, Rick, I prayed that prayer of commitment. I gave my life to Christ. And I'll send you some material that'll help you on your journey with Jesus, and I'll also pray for you. God bless you.
0: You're listening to Pastor Rick's Daily Hope. We're so happy you've chosen to study along with us today. Here's Pastor Rick with a letter from one of our listeners.
1: Hi, everybody. Today I want to share a letter from Edom, a listener from Canada, who talks about the impact Daily Hope has had in his life. I love these stories. He writes, The Daily Hope ministry has helped me greatly in shifting the lens through which I see life. I know now that I was created for God to fulfill His purpose. I understand that every trial or every situation I face in life is a test of my character and is preparing me for heaven. I started listening to Daily Hope at a time when I was confused about my existence. This was when times were bad and I didn't have a job I always thought a profession defined who I was, but Daily Hope shifted my perspective on life and my purpose. And I soon started to experience peace in my heart when I least expected it. Now, Even though I landed a great job, I understand that it doesn't define who I am or my purpose. I was created by God and for God. And I want to surrender fully to His will. So I want to say thanks to you and to the entire Daily Hope team for the impact that you've had on my life. What an incredible testimony of how God's working through Daily Hope to bring about strong sense of purpose in people's lives. So thank you everybody for your ongoing support and your faithful prayers. More lives like Edom's will be changed in Jesus' name because of you.
0: If you've been wanting to partner with Pastor Rick to take the hope of Jesus to people who need to hear it, You can give right now by going to PastorRick.com or text the word HOPE to 800-600-5004. Again, that's PastorRick.com or text the word HOPE to 800-600-5004. And thank you so much for your support. Be sure to join us next time as we look into God's Word for our daily hope. This program is sponsored by Pastor Rick's Daily Hope and your generous financial support.